Oh, hey. Sorry I didn't see you there. This is an audio medium. If you grew up with Disney Channel shows, decoms, and music, the Time Machine is ready for you to take a trip back to those golden days. Quick! Before the time reaches 8-7 Central! What is up, time travelers? Welcome back to the Time Machine Podcast with me, Becca Stogner. And me, Hunter Martin. Well, I think it's time this i don't even know what to say because this secret is revealed Um, first of all we're recording this uh a month before its actual release so nobody asks us what we're up to because we are busy this week (laughs) (laughs) but uh we have a very (laughs) we have a very special episode um that we have been (laughs) sitting on i'm so laughing at you why it wasn't that funny you're just a funny little thing. Sometimes funny I little. say a joke that I think is going to kill with you, and sometimes I say the most random thing, and I hear your chair eek, eek, eek in because you're laughing so hard. <laughs> okay, okay. Keep going what you're saying. <laughs> what I was going to say was that we have been sitting on this all month long. We had a secret for you as we were talking about other secrets on the Disney Channel that we are back again with another Disney Channel chat today with someone very, very integral to creating in fact the creator of that's so raven and hannah montana yeah you heard that right you heard that right not just creating one disney channel show he created two of probably the biggest disney channel shows of all time the juggernauts the juggernauts the juggernauts we had the absolute pleasure to sit down with michael porias and he talked about Um, how we got started in the industry coming up with That's a Raven and Hannah Montana and kind of the journey um, that happened when you create two of the biggest shows on Disney Channel of all time. Oh my gosh, these stories, y'all. Yeah, you'll, if you, if you listen, which I hope you are because you're listening to this already. now. (laughs) uh, He talked about, you know, behind the scenes and creating Hannah Montana and That's a Raven and Kind of what happened when both those shows uh, became hits and how that changed and kind of what went into that. Yeah. So stay tuned. I guess it should say stay tuned. It's happening right now. Don't say stay tuned. So here is our Disney Channel chat with Michael Porius. Awesome. Well, we are here with Michael Porius. Michael, how are you today? I am doing terrific. Awesome. Awesome. What about uh, you guys doing okay? We're doing great. We're doing a lot yeah. better now that we're talking with you, just to uh, be honest. No, we're, uh, <laughs> Beck and I, no, really, Beck and I, uh, we were talking to you a little bit of, before we started recording, but we're just saying how cool it is that we have started to have some people from the Disney Channel world come on and we get to, you know, celebrate them and celebrate their work and, le- and let them know how it has affected um, all of us, and I'm sure when we get into it, I don't know if you're when you put pen to paper and wrote and created that Raven and Hannah Montana, you were like, This, I'm gonna 20 years from now, someone's gonna ask me to be on their podcast, and we're gonna talk. <laughs> yes, all that about was it. my intention all along, right? That's uh, that's everyone's intention, and everyone's yes, uh, hope, yes. I think. Uh, so we just want to say thank you so much, uh, for taking the time and doing this. Oh, and it's just God. gonna, and I hope, I hope you're ready because it's just gonna be a love fest. 
going to be a love fest. That's what we do here. Uh, I, you, uh, know, you can call me anytime. That's just- <laughs> right. You're like, you're like I-, I need an ego boost. What's the time machine podcast number again? <laughs> uh, but before we get into, you know, uh, the Disney Channel world, uh, we just want to know really how you got started, because not only did you work on countless Disney Channel shows, but you wrote for the Jeffersons, Love Boat, Who's the Boss? Facts of Life, Good Morning, Miss Bliss, which turned into Saved by the Bell. Bell. Um, So, you know. Factory, one of my best friends came up with the name Screech. Really? How did he come up with that? I was kind of, I I was in the room. Somebody's trying to think of a name for this. He says, well, I knew this kid back when his name was Screech. We all went Screech. And and therefore, that became Screech. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. So, like, tell us a little bit about how your journey into, um, was it always your dream or goal to start working in specifically sitcoms? Or was it just kind of the thing you stumbled into? I always loved sitcoms. Um, my initial goal when I moved to L.A. from the Bay Area uh, when I was 23 was to become a stand-up comic. Ooh. And I did that just a few times. I waited tables. Um, I met at at that time through a friend, I met Gary Shandler when he was still a writer. And he was a writer for like Welcome Back Cotter and Sanford and Son um, and stuff like that. And so I met him and then I started to write different scripts and he would read them and hand them back to me with like lots of notes and all of that. And at the same time, I was kind of leaving stand-up comedy because it wasn't the right world for me. He was breaking into stand-up comedy. So I ended up writing him some jokes and stuff like that. Um, And then it just really became being real tenacious about writing. I loved sitcoms, loved, loved, loved them. Um, Mary Tyler Show, Bob Newhart, Cheers, um, Taxi, I just adored them. And so I really studied and studied and studied them, got a hold of scripts, tried to sneak on lots, try to go to tapings, all of those kinds of things and hustle when I was waiting tables and I got some of my um, best connections when I was waiting tables because I told jokes at tables from my <laughs> stand-up kind of thing. And, and, and then folks would say, well, what do you do? And, you know, I said, well, I'm really trying to become a sitcom writer. Oh, I know this person or that person. Do you have anything? And of course, I go down to my locker and take out my spec script and say, here. <laughs> so those were the days when I was, you know, Love Boat, Who's the Boss, Jefferson's. I did a story for Different Strokes um, that never got on. I did a story and then there was a strike. And then there was the story just went away. Um, and so in my first first job, real job was on staff of Facts of Life. Uh, and I didn't get that until, my God, I think I was 30. You know, mm-hmm. it was one of those kinds of things where my friends, they I dropped out of college. You know, <laughs> and all my friends. Well, this one was just becoming a doctor, lawyer, and this one had this big job over there. And I'm still going, you know, I'm sorry, you can't split the salad bar. And uh, would you like beef ribs or pork ribs? You know, (laughs) so I was just kind of following that dream. And then I got on Facts of Life for a couple of seasons. 
you know, crazy up and down career, but always managed to work. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really how it all, it all started. And it, and it was really just a basic, I advise anybody that wants to get into the business, um, especially, especially writing really, is you better love it. There's, there's so many obstacles and so many ups and downs and the, the, the highs are incredible and the lows suck, you know? And, and so you better love it. And, and that's the fuel that kept me going um, through, through uh, a lot of years, uh, some really great, some really bad. You know, it's just, I adored it. That, <laughs> I will tell you, I grew up on like Nick at Night and TV Land. So you saying like, welcome back, Cotter, Facts yeah. of Life, Saved by the Bell. That is like music to my yeah. sitcom ears. Like yeah. when I was a kid, uh, we would like, you know, sit at the lunch table and talk about what we watched last night. Everyone's like, did y'all watch the new Pokemon? Yeah. I'm like, no, but did you see Miss <laughs> Garrett uh, on the Facts of Life? Anybody? 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 Uh, <laughs> and I was so, trapped in an Andy Griffith show household. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, we are, like, you know, just like you, Michael, I love sitcoms. I think I'm, like, I love the, the history of sitcoms and, like, starting with I Love Lucy and, like, every different kind of genre that the sitcoms can so be good. and all that great stuff and how it's like really just like a class and i'm really sad that especially multicam sitcoms just to be specific have kind of like dwindled as the years go on and we'll get into it but i feel like disney channel for has really kept that alive in a sense especially in like the early 2000s while the like you know the reality shows were taking over and then like right. the office and like that kind of style of right. uh single cam um but after the facts of life is that when you went into good morning miss bliss which transitioned to saved by the bell oh yeah actually um facts of life was on and then there was a strike and then i got miss bliss which went into saved by the bell I was on that for a while, but at that time, I wasn't loving being in children's programming. I still wanted to be in prime time. Mm -hmm. so I went into shows like, oh God, <clears throat> Out of This World and Small Wonder. Small Wonder, yes. You know, and then I did uh, some new shows that only went a season. One was called Me and the Boys. Uh, uh, one was called Joe's World, uh, and then I, I um, finally got on a show called Sybil, and from there, Veronica's Closet, you know, and so I, I went into all that, and, you know, and I will admit, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that's very crazy in our business. Now, it's just between us. I'm just going to do this. It's really nice. Yes. We're I'm close friends tell, here. I'm going to tell you the truth. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, the reason I went into the Disney Channel and the start of That's So Raven was I needed the work, you know, <laughs> prime time was very difficult. And I heard that Disney Channel was opening up and they were looking to do a four camera show or whatever. And that's what started That's So Raven. It was yeah. me go. My friends were all telling me I was nuts. Right? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, you're going to the Disney Channel. Are you kidding me? You yeah. Know? And, you, and yeah, I mean, that's how that started. Hand to God, I did it for the work. 
And it opened up a whole new world for me that I honestly adore writing um, for tween programming way more than I ever did for prime time. Yeah. And I understand probably why all your friends were like, you're doing what? Because <laughs> at the time, I think there was like two shows on there and they That's weren't right. multicam and they, they were even, hits. Even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire. Mm -hmm. Those are like the two big ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I'll tell you, when Little Miss uh, Raven Baxter entered the Disney Channel buildings, I think it blew open a whole new realm of possibilities. And I'll, I will share another thing. It was not That's a Raven initially. It was a horrible title that Disney gave me called Absolutely Psychic. Hmm. Um, I, hate, I hated the title, hated it. <laughs> um, but um, uh, Raven, played the best friend. She was Chelsea. And we did the pilot and she just, wow. Right. And so we got picked up contingent on redoing everything and making it the star Raven. So that's how that happened. It didn't start out that way, but it evolved that way. Thank God it did. You know, one of the things that if you can call it a secret in, in this kind of programming, is to always follow the talent. If you find somebody that jumps off and you just kind of go, there's something about that person that I want to write for, the words aren't precious. The words can change to fit that talent. That's one thing that, that I learned that is not a lot of, is not necessarily the rule in prime time. The rule in prime time, here are the words, read the words, you know, all that kind of stuff. In, in, in kids programming, it's more, here are the words, now let's work with it and let's try to fit it to who you are naturally and where your natural talents are. And I think that's one of the secrets of why I was successful at this um, because it's a living, breathing thing. And when you're dealing with young talent, you really have to find that midpoint about where you want to, what kind of stories you want to tell, who your character is and who they really are. So when you look at somebody like Raven or you look at somebody like Miley, you don't really know where the made up character is and where the real character is because they're a combination of the two. Yeah. And in uh, our podcast, rewatching all like the episodes, we, we have a conversation where like, where does, where's the line with, where, where does Miley Stewart end and where does Miley Cyrus begin? And same with yeah. Raven Baxter and Raven That's Exactly Stone. right. And I'll share another. This is fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> share. Come on. This is a sharing. This is a sharing circle, Michael. Hannah Montana um, had nothing to do with Miley initially. Look at me. You know, you just, say, you just take one good look at me. Do you think I am going to come up with a, a girl from Nashville? <laughs> Hannah Montana was a Jewish girl from New York. Uh, Hannah got it. That was the wow. Title. And her father um, was a studio musician um, in New York. Um, and there was a big backstory that I had and everything. And we were looking and looking, looking. And we had it down to like three um, folks. 
And while we were looking, you probably have heard this story, but while we were looking, uh, Miley auditioned via videotape, via the casting person. And we saw and we turned her down, you know, because she was 10, you know, she was kind of green. Um, there was something about her that was interesting, but not enough to, to, to put a whole show on, on her shoulders. A few months later, she sends another videotape. It's a little better, right? But we still said no, right? <laughs> a couple of months later, another videotape. And finally, um, Disney said, well, let's have her out here. But she's paying for it, right? They didn't pay for nothing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now they're like, you can come, but you got to fly. You got to. Yeah, you... exactly. Philip. Billy Ray's got that achy, breaky heart money. Yeah, he can afford it. Well. He can he's afford it. Well. He can get on a plane. <laughs> so, you know, they came out and Miley auditioned with two others. And she came into the room uh, and she owned the room. And when Raven came into the room, Raven came into the room like that, you know, and, and it was basically a, a uh, what scene would you like me to do? There were like five. Could you do scene three? It was like this. Yes. Nailed it. Okay. Uh, can you do scene <laughs> one? Yes. Nailed it. Right? Milo came into the room. Hi, y'all doing? <laughs> right? She totally owned the room. You know, we were hers, you know, it was hers to blow. And she did not do the lines as perfectly as the other person, didn't hit the jokes as perfectly as the other person, but she was so genuine. She was so honest. She was Miley. Miley was coming in and bringing Miley to that role, right? She made it her role. She wasn't chasing after the role. She was making it her, and it was like, oh my God, um, wow, you know? So we were going, you know, it, she hadn't gotten it yet, um, but there was something about her that just jumped off the page. And all of a sudden everything started to tweak again because the role wasn't designed for that, that voice, right? And then Billy wanted to read. Now, between uh, you and the lamppost, we're going, oh, man, you know, <laughs> we want Miley and now our dad's going to want to read. and We're not going to want him. What the what, what do we do? Damn. Right. So then he came in, nailed it, <laughs> just nailed it. And when we got the two of them to read together, he made Miley go from here to here. There was a chemistry there, real father daughter. There was there was something you couldn't replace, and so yeah. we've seen that audition tape, and we heard yeah. everybody just eating it up with a spoon. <laughs> but I'm giving you the backstory of uh, <laughs> you know we were going, Billy, achy breaky heart, <laughs> you know, and and he just came in and was so genuine that he was. He came in and says, I got to tell you, I met the guy outside the software. He's really nice. He's probably very good. <laughs> right. And then he read it and it was just so natural. It was just, oh, my God. And that's 
an example of writing isn't precious. Writing needs to change and shift to fit the chemistry in front of you, right? Yeah. I'll give you I'm, I'm, I'm a whole other story. Jason, right? Initially, that character was in the shadows of his famous sister, right? So that character just talked through a puppet, right? The only time he talked was a puppet because that's the only way he could relate, come out of his shell, right? But we had Jason Earls, right? And Jason got the role and he tried so hard to work with that puppet. You know, we were in the production. Normally it goes from Monday to, to Friday. And he was working with the puppet and working with the puppet. And on Wednesday, we were all going like, it's good, but there's something wrong here. And so we decided to totally scrap the puppet, right? This was the day before we were gonna film. Um, came up with a different beast story. And it was like letting the horse out of the corral, right? The puppet was limiting him. He's so darn talented that getting rid of the puppet and letting him become who he was, um, just made the whole thing. And it opened up chemistry between um, he and Miley and, and Billy. But these are all living, breathing things. And so that's another example of, we have this great talent in Jason and we were kind of limiting him with this puppet and we had to take the puppet off and take a leap of faith that he'd nail it. And he did. <laughs> I now imagine like, cause the show ran for like four or five years. Like what would y'all have done with the puppet five years <laughs> from then? <laughs> well, we would have made the puppet get older slowly. Right. A little gray hair. It would have been, it would have been interesting. And eventually Jason would have been gone. It would just would have been the puppet coming on the screen. Right. Oh, <laughs> In other words, it would have sucked, <laughs> you know, just would not have been good at all. So it's amazing how all that stuff that stuff happens. Hannah was like, best experience in my career. I loved it. Just adored it. Oh, it's always yeah. good to hear. It's yeah. so fun to hear that too, because we've always wondered if Miley came first or if Billy came first. Right. And now we know. And now <laughs> we know. Miley Confirmed. came first, but neither came first. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Because it was following the casting. You know, it was looking at that lightning in a bottle and saying, okay. You know, and I really liked it because it was a wonderful challenge to to train Miley to do comedy, to be in the moment. She was so eager. She'd come to the set, she knew all her lines, right? And when the other person was talking, she just couldn't wait to say her line, <laughs> right? So that other person talking, now, now it's her line. You know, I would always go in, slow down. Right. I want to see you listening to, to the other person. I want to see you react. Then I want to see you say your line, giving her the confidence to hold back and know where the comedy is. And if you do your work enough in your expression and your reaction to the person talking to you, the line's gravy. Right. You have them. And um, it was just so much fun. I would walk out and you know, give her the mantra of, Listen, let me see it on your face and then do the line. It got to the point um, in the second season, the beginning of the second season, I would start to walk out and she'd go, I know. 
You're right. I just, I just walked back. You know, it was, a, it was a real, it was a kick. I'm sure it's just kind of like you're just um, piggybacking off your story about like how Miley was in the casting room versus how Raven was in the casting room. I'm sure because Raven was so seasoned at that point. She was on the Cosby show, hang with Mr. Cooper, Dr. Doolittle. And then Miley was so green. I'm sure throughout the processes, Raven still was so like, I'm just assuming just based off what you said about her sitting in the casting office, she was more like by the book than Miley was like, this is all new to me. Well, by the book, I would say that, that she was more studied. I'm going in. She was serious, right? She knew her stuff. She not only knew the Chelsea role, she knew the, the, I think, what was her name? Rose, I think. She knew both roles, right? Very, very prepared, right? Um, And disciplined. Miley, I mean, horse out of the corral. (laughs) She was prepared, but in a more fun, kind of authentic, kind of, I messed that up, kind (laughs) of way, right? And it was just something, you know, you just wanted to go, oh my God, oh my God. And then you heard the voice, you know, and that the husky kind of thing. Nobody came in with that kind of signature, you know. Mm -hmm. I think we kind of, we uh, kind of joked. It was like, you know, somebody that's been a smoker all their lives, you know, that kind of, that kind of voice. But it's, but it's this 12 year old kid, you know, it was, it was a kick. I love it. So going back to, way back uh, you said that Disney gave you the title absolutely psychic so did they kind of have an idea of what they wanted and you went no. in with something or you we, had we, we came in I did this with uh, a uh, writer named Susan Sherman mm-hmm. and we came in with um, uh, what if a kid would want to see the future what kid wouldn't want to do that right wouldn't it be cool you know it really started with that basis you know, and then it became that. And one of the execs says, I want to call it absolute psychic. Now we want to sell something, right? You know, <laughs> we, we want to get the job. We want to do this thing. Oh, absolutely. Psychic. That's a great title. Yeah, sure. And then of course you leave going. <laughs> no. um, Hannah Montana, when I was doing that, um, I literally was trying to think of a title. You know, when I like the name Hannah, the Hannah Banana, Hannah Savannah, and you know, Hannah Montana, fine, 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 fine. I'm just going to put that down because I know they're going to change it, right? I need to start writing. I need to start doing stuff, Hannah Montana, right? And it lasted. I never thought it would. I never thought it would. I, I always <laughs> thought I'd be forced to change it to something else, but for some reason it stuck. It really does roll off the tongue, like Hannah Montana. And I will say you're speaking <laughs> to, to um, well, one still lives in Nashville. I used to live in Nashville. That's where we met. It was in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. So growing up in like a Southern family, Hannah Montana was like, oh, I know exactly what's going on with this. Oh, like, nice. like, like the, the, the Southern twang, the Southern slang, the thing I was like, I always say um, Billy race, that character um, in Hannah Montana is my dad. He really? is like, he talks like my dad. He acts like my dad. Yeah. So I think, yeah and like i i remember because growing up as a kid that was like the first time i was like oh they're southern just like me just like my family so that was like a cool like little thing that i think 
uh, made Hannah Montana a little, you know, extra special. And one of the reasons, you know, I was always determined I am not going to write Southern. I'm not <laughs> Southern. I can't write that. So it was always Billy Miley. How would you say it? You know, I'm not going to tell you how to say this or that or that. If there's another way that you would say it that is more authentic, great, say it. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big believer in, in telling somebody how they would speak authentically when I have, don't have a clue, right? Mm -hmm. And so in doing that kind of thing, let Billy and Miley very much own um, their roles and their voice. So did they just come up with all those crazy Southern catchphrases themselves? No. Well, and I have to say, <laughs> sweet lit niblets came from the writer's room. Love that. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> the, rest is, the rest is history, as they say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I will to say, just going back to that Sir Raven, and you can confirm or deny this, and maybe there's some truth to it, because you worked on Saved by the Bell, and that Sir Raven, the show, the high school is Bayside. And everyone says it's the same set from Saved by the Bell. Is that, it's not, or? No, no. And, and, and when it was Bayside, Bayside, honest to God, I probably came up with that. It passed whatever, and I didn't put it together. I didn't put it together. It just, Bayside, whatever, whatever. Okay, fine, that sounds good. That's a, that's a good one. Forgot completely about Saved by the Bell, right? So it was just like a happy accident, but they one had nothing to do with the other. It's it's a nice lore to think that like Zach Morris and Raven Baxter live in the same universe. You know? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, then I'll I'll change. Yes, that. Was <laughs> You're like come to think of it, actually. Uh, yes, yes, it was all a part of my my design when I was doing all of these things. Yes, yes, I'm not brilliant. That's right. I mean, we we think you're brilliant, Michael, and I think the channel and Disney also agrees because that's a Raven broke so many uh, like records for the channel at the time. It was the first show wow. to go over 65 episodes. Sure. Um, it hit 100 episodes. I feel like that's a Raven was kind of the first big that Disney knew what they were going to do with a property like that, because I think with even Stevens and Liz McGuire, they kind of like experimented of what they could do. It's true. And they really knew what they wanted to do with Hannah. The yeah. only reason it went, Hannah did 101 episodes. Ooh. Why? Because Miley wanted to do one more episode than Raven. Ah. <gasps> uh, That's why. <laughs> only reason. <laughs> I love it. She's yeah. like, you know what? Before I before I hang up my wig, exactly. exactly. <laughs> how, many, how many episodes did Raven have? That that was it. Uh, speaking of last episodes, um, was there the that to Raven last episode? Was there like a plan to like finish out the show um, in a different way? Because I think the last episode that aired, I don't know if this last episode that was produced. I don't think it was. Well, it was like um, a smoking PSA. Like a smoking, like Corey was found smoking. Was there like a different way to kind of send the that Raven property off into the night? I I have to admit, I wasn't a part of the show at that point. So I don't know. I don't know. Or I could say, yes, there was and this, but I wasn't on the show at this time. That at that point I had moved on. No. Um so and I so the, I don't know the evil thinking that went on. <laughs> 
Oh, well, there's also, there's also this like, and again, confirm or deny, Michael, confirm or deny, mm -hmm. was Hannah Montana developed through a That's So Raven concept? There's like an episode where um, any of that? No. We're debunking so many things on this episode. I love it. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with it. You know, the, the, only, the only thing that would, I would say is similar, it would be my sensibilities, right? Mm -hmm. when, when I do something, I'm not following what's going on today or any of the political myths of anything. I really like to stay within universal emotional truths of what it's like to be a kid, what it's like to be a young teen, um, the ups and downs, the emotional, the friendships. I always look at it, if I do my job right, um, the stories that I do were valid 20 years ago and will be valid 20 years from now. Um, I really do concentrate on ultimate truths and relationships that I still could, could access back when I was in junior high and still feel the same emotion when you get hurt by a friend or betrayed by somebody or you don't yeah. think you're fitting in or you think your ears are weird. You know, um, all that stuff doesn't change. So I love to be in, in the truth of relationships. Um, my, my mantra always is um, I can always make something funny. I never doubt I can make something funny, not a second. But I can't always make something true. So I always want to know the truth in the story. And then we'll find the funny and we'll blow it up and we'll go crazy. But a lot of times the problem is some shows go toward the funny. They, they think of something funny and then they try to shoehorn in truth in there somewhere. I've never been that. That's, that's one of the things that I um, adore about great sitcoms because they always start with something real and a relationship and something authentic. And, and then you just take it and bend it this way and that way and that way. And that's why I think the shows that I've done have touched people. Yeah. We always yeah. say, especially, especially with That's Raven, it has the heart and it has the humor. Yeah. But we you talk have to all start, the time about that. You have to start with the heart. You have to. That's how, that's how I learned from, from coming up with, you know, who's the boss and, you know, and facts of life and, and all of the shows that I, the Mary Tyler Moore show, all those things were something called behavioral comedy. Um, it was just on how people act and how they interact and when they're not comfortable and when that's all just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, I'll share that one of my, my favorite comedy moment of Hannah. And this goes down to Miley, 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 Miley. Um, we were doing an episode where she was going to be paid a lot of money to advertise something, right? And we also put in that when Miley would lie, she would sweat a little, right? Mm -hmm. It was just to tell, not a lot, just a little bit when she lies, right? Um, now she's going on to a talk show and here's this product and she discovers she hates the product, right? She really just hates it. And she has to go on this program and say how good it is, right? And here she is and we had 
rigged a um, thing under her under her um, wig, which would start to sweat, right? And so the whole comedy bit was that I'm on a show, I'm lying, and I'm starting to sweat a little, right? And it's getting more and more uncomfortable, you know? And so one of the things we said to Miley before this take was, no matter what, until you hear the director yell cut, you keep going, right? And we turned up the sweat. It was literally <laughs> coming down her face and she kept going and going and going. It was acting comedy brilliance, right? Because she stayed in the moment and she, she, didn't, she didn't break the moment. She didn't say, what the heck? You know, she didn't, she stayed in the moment, stayed on the line. I was, oh, I was out of my chair laughing because it was so, so good. And that's a combination of setting up something with the right emotion, right? The right circumstance, it's all true. And then getting the right comedian to do it. It was, I felt her, one of her best moments on, on the show. It just, I just look, I think back on that and I still laugh. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other favorite episodes or concepts that you worked on? Well, the, the, the episode that was near and dear to me, we did in the last season. And it was an episode where Miley was dating somebody and he kept having to, at the last minute, cancel the date because he had to do something, right? And she was getting more pissed and more pissed and more pissed. And what we find out is that his father was overseas in the military. And when he would get a call from his father, it was so rare, he had to drop anything he was doing and go take it. So it became a story about military families and what they deal with and how much they miss um, um, their whoever in the family is in the military. And, and, and making the signal to that, that, that person in the military that I'm gonna be okay, you don't have to worry about me. Um, my favorite Hannah writer, Chen Neiman, wrote a song that was just incredible. We have real families and real soldiers on set. Um, we had played back soldiers from overseas saying hi to their families. Um, it was such an endearing uh, show uh, and it really broke through. And, you know, I, I was so proud of it because so few shows reached the heights of Hannah were able to do something that wonderfully serious yeah. and be accepted so great. I, I just, it was, that was the, you know, I have to admit there was a lot of highlights to the show. But that was my personal emotional highlight because normally I don't try to do something that is about on topic like that. Mm -hmm. But I just felt it was so important um, at that time that we went for it. And it was just stunning. It was just a great episode. Yeah. And exactly what you said that there's not a lot of shows or Disney Channel shows that have the impact of Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana is definitely on the Mount Rushmore of Disney. I would say Disney in general, 
right up there with Mickey Mouse. Oh, there, well, I, I said like, it. Well, you know what I like? Well, tell them to do something else with me. I've been trying to do another series with these people, and it's been incredibly hard to, to get done. I don't know why. We, we, we know Disney listens. They've commented on our stuff before, <laughs> Disney Channel. Hi, Disney. Channel. I'm here. Michael has series for you. <laughs> Michael kept the lights on at Disney Channel for 10 years. What are yeah, you doing? I kept the lights on. <laughs> he did. Like, yeah, I like, didn't really put it that way. Yeah. You did. Like, not only like we're we're gassing you up, Michael, right now. I know but, you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and with all honesty, how not many people can say they created not only Hannah Montana, but that's so Raven. Hello. That's like the Mount Rushmore of Disney shows. So I hope you do feel that impact, but kind of rewinding a little bit, what was that moment that you realized that Hannah Montana was growing a lot rapidly? I will tell you when I realized that. Uh, because, you know, listen, you start out, you want to do a good show, right? You want to do a show you have fun with, you think you're going to do a series, but nobody knows that when things are going to take off, nobody can say, oh, I always knew, blah, blah, blah. It's all, yeah, no, not, not true. Anybody says it, not true. I knew it the first time I went to, the, uh, to a concert, right? And you walked out, I have never heard um, that piercing, screaming, oh my God, you had 5,000, mostly girls, and it was piercing. And you looked and you went, okay, the, the cat's out of the bag here. You know, you really realized it when you saw not just 200 kids in the studio, but you saw 5,000 kids uh, up in the stands, absolutely in it. That's when you kind of looked and everybody looked and said, oh, gee. <laughs> when you knew. Yeah, I'm sure it was kind of a mind trip realizing that Miley Cyrus is turning into the creator, uh, the character that you created, Hannah Montana. She like turned into the biggest pop teen pop star it on the planet. Quite, it was quite something. And, you know, and I will tell you through the whole process, my least problem was Miley. She never gave me a problem. You know, always respected what I wanted to do. Uh, never pulled any star shit on me. Um, she was just very supportive at the end of the day that this was essentially my vision. And she supported it. I'll give you another, hey, another secret. Come on, come on. <laughs> it was important to me to end the show with a message of, um, you can put off your career and go to college. There were so many people, so many kids. I wanted to say that message. Disney on the other end was thinking and they wanted to say, well, what if this was all a dream and Miley, Miley Cyrus wakes up <laughs> and says, I had the dream and I was this and I was that. And we filmed that scene with Miley's really mo real mother and, and Billy. Tish. Yeah. And I wanted so much to land on, you have a big opportunity to do the Spielberg movie, or you can go to college, which one are you going to do? And I wanted to, I just felt I wanted to send the signal to the audience that go to college, Spielberg can wait. 
right? Go to college, have that experience. End of the day, um, I got my way for one reason, because Miley said whatever Michael wants. It's the only reason it ended that way. So, you know, Miley, with all the stuff Miley is, and everything you hear, and up, 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 she is an ethical, moral, good person. Yeah. End of the day. End of the day. And I know, I mean, you know her a lot better than we do. We know her from, you know, very far away, but I'm sure you probably have like a sense of like, look, look at what she's doing now. She has like the biggest song in the world. It's, in, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's incredible. And I think due to that, and we talked about this before, I think half the majority of the support is because we met her when she was 11, 11, yeah. 12. And we saw her grow. You saw her and, grow up and you saw who she really was you know, or a combination of what we wrote and who she was. It wasn't, it wasn't all easy for her. Imagine at that age being that famous and having a show on your shoulders and not knowing who your friends really are, right? And who wants to use you for this or that. It was all hat in hand of what the show was. I want to have the secret identity because I want people to like me for myself, right? That's the conceit of the show. Well, Miley had no secret, you know, <laughs> you know. And so when you get into our business and you get more and more and more and more, you get surrounded by a lot of people that don't tell you the truth and are, that are not honest with you, right? And that's a very, very difficult thing. Um, I had one thing with Miley where I had told her if you ever have to stop, if you ever have to go and walk away, you know, get five, 10 minutes in the dressing room because something's bothering you, just tell me. I don't care what we're doing. I don't care what deadline we're on. I will stop everything. She only did it once. And I stopped everything. Everybody's going, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, I promised her. I promised her. And she went away. 10 minutes back, came back, nailed the scene. And she never did it again. Right. But she knew she had it and she knew she could trust me to to give that to her. So, you know, I have incredibly fond memories uh, of the relationship that we had on that show. It was really, really good. Yeah. Well, I would say like props to you for like creating such a uh, environment for her to do that, because you hear all the times on these teen children uh, sitcoms. Yeah, it's. At, at the end of the day, they are working a lot more than a regular 13-year-old would do. But, you know, some shows are like, oh, this 13-year-old is having a bad day. Sorry. Get that microphone I, on and go on. I've always said when I was there, it says, I'm a parent first and a producer second. Yeah. I'm a parent first. You know, um, I can't control everything that goes on outside my set. Um, and I can't control if everything goes on inside my set because I don't know everything. But what I do know, I can control, you know, and, you know, um, I have a, I think I can use this word here. I mean, you know, this is not, my kids are watching. I have a big no asshole rule, including myself. <laughs> I, I have learned nobody's that good. Anybody can be replaced. You're on a kid's set. You better behave, right? You better, at least yeah. when I'm around, um, be appropriate. 
right? And if you're not appropriate, you won't be around long and you will be replaced. Everybody's replaceable. So I think Miley felt protected in that sense that she could call me if she had a problem, um, all of those kinds of things. And I would never blow smoke, you know? I wouldn't lie to her. If I didn't like the way she did something, I would tell her, right? And, and it was a really, really nice relationship. I, I miss that. I, you know, let's go back and do hand again, you know? <laughs> Well, which begs the question, one, because I, I do want to ask about that, Michael. Has Disney ever tried to be like, hey, Hannah Montana, Miley probably won't be there, but is there any way we could do something? Um, you know, in <laughs> I have tried in several ways to do, hey, let's do a Hannah prequel. Let's do an animated, let's blah, blah, blah. I run up against walls for some reason. They just don't do it. I don't, I don't agree with them. I think that they're foolish. Um, I would love to do that, but I'm not the one that you know, writes the checks and says yes or no. We came up, remember Becca, one time we came up with a Hannah Montana prequel idea yes. of, and maybe yeah. Michael, this is something, <laughs> maybe you, you can like you know, write it down. Uh, we just asked if it happens, you have to um, let us be uh, in the studio audience at least. It's probably um, the same thing I thought of. Okay, look, this is the test. We said uh, prequel about Billy Ray's character in Nashville as a teen becoming like a singer. Oh, that's interesting. I did. That's not the way I was going. I'm at, <laughs> the way okay. I was going was I wanted to do Miley when she was Miley Stewart back in Nashville when she was seven, eight, you know, but mm -hmm. Billy basically being to date myself being I love Lucy. I Lucille Ball to to Billy's Ricky, right? Yeah. And doing everything to get in, and she really wants it, and blah blah blah. And the arc of it would be up until the time she decided to become Hannah Montana. That's the end of that series. Yeah. Um, and I always looked at it and saying like, man, I could write the hell out of that, you know, because I understand it. I I understand the backstory because I had the backstory. You know, I had to fill it up somehow, but it just never, never happened. Missed opportunity, <laughs> missed opportunity, Disney. Yes, it is. Were you, were you involved in any of Hi, the... Bob Iger. How about that? Can Hi, we, we love, we love you, Bobby. We love you, Bobby Iger. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. We love you for listening. <laughs> um, were you involved in any of the non-Hannah Montana TV show things like the concert or the movies or anything like that? I was, I, I was one of the producers of the movie. Mm -hmm. Didn't have time to write it though, because we were doing the series. Um, and the concerts, not really. There was one concert I was at and I was going like, you know, maybe it'd be cool if she sat on stage and it was a more intimate thing. And and she did. Oh. Uh, but Is it whatever know, Michael wants? Not really. No, not really. <laughs> the concerts were the really Kenny Ortega, um, a lot of the choreography and a lot of the brain behind those concerts were him. You know, that's where he lived. I didn't live, I don't do concerts, right? All I can do is give you my opinion here or here. And then um, I would then be able to take from the concerts that they filmed and figure out what part of that do I wanna roll into an episode that seems real and true and fit into a story. 
Um, and before we get off, you know, the other Hannah Montana world stuff, um, was it weird seeing like the show you create as like a multicam children's teen sitcom? And now it's like on the big screen where it's a little bit more, you know, grounded and serious. And was that like, did you have like any input of like, yeah, this needs to be more grounded or no, kind of let them do uh, their thing? If it, you know, you know, hand to God, if, if I would have done the movie, probably would have done it different. Right. I probably would have not done that or not done this. Uh, the best thing about that movie to me was the climb. Michael, you are Amen. in the correct <laughs> room, my friend. It's right. the best. The best part of the movie. Um, and in my mind, it was one of her best songs ever. Um, uh, that part of the movie I really liked. Uh, I probably would have, I'm creative, you know. Yeah. Somebody else is doing the movie. They're going to go this way with it. I'm doing the movie. I'm going to go that way with it. I thought the movie was terrific, you know, but I, I can't in all honesty say, I wouldn't change a word. Right. for god's sake of course i changed words <laughs> but you know that's how much disney loved hannah montana it wasn't just a disney channel movie they said no this has oh. to go for the to the big big Went screen yeah. the big thing and it paid off yeah it paid off it's one of the rare few disney channel things that made the jump to the big screen oh. yeah i think it's just this hannah montana liz mcguire and i guess high school musical counts yeah because i was it on does. tv I, why not well, it does. It a TV movie. It wasn't a theatrical movie. So no, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it had to be a TV show. But you know, the impact, just Fine. because we love the climb here. And I think Miley does too, because she performed it on her Disney Plus special. I'm sure. Um, yeah. It was a hit. It still hits. It still hits. It still hits. It's because it's an emotional song. It's mm -hmm. about something, you know, and I loved what it was about. It's not about what you get. It's about the road getting it. It's just yeah. wow! What a what a wonderful song. The only uh, thing about growing up in Nashville and the Hannah Montana movie is that you always know at least like fifty people that were on the set. Oh yeah, I, I, know, I know. I have so many people. That so I do I. That were either in it or they were an extra or they walked by and they heard it. Like it's just it was inescapable for a few years. I have a one thing I'm sure that they would also say when they met Miley. Miley would go, "Hi, I'm Miley." As opposed to, hi, you know who I am. You know? <laughs> right. She, would, she was going, hi, hi, Miley. How are you? What's your name? Southern hospitality. Genuine Southern hospitality. Yeah. That's what we're all about. That's sweet tea. <laughs> That's sweet tea. <laughs> yeah. I just loved, I had a close friend in high school who's like, her and her family were super into vampire movies and horror. And they had a wall of all these horror movies and a DVD of the Hannah Montana movie in the middle. <laughs> And I remember being like, why do you have that? And they're like, oh, it's because we were in the concert scene. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Everybody was in it. Um, Quite and then, while we're in the spinoff territory, what was it like coming back to revisit Raven all these years later and bringing back with Raven's Home? That Raven's Home, again, not me. Raven's Home, I co-created it because it got co-created credit because how can I not? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's not me. That was, I mean, I think they've had, it's been a, quite a journey on Raven's Home. It has been. We've they been had, watching. They had one. They might have gone through four or five creative teams. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, it's really quite something. The originals were on. They were fired. Then other people came on and they were fired. Other people came on and I think somebody really good, but she passed away. Um, and then others came on. 
So if I had to, if I had to guess, and I'm and I'm not saying this for sure, um, that the the brains behind that, the consistency of that, and what it's doing is Raven. I, I you can definitely tell that Raven is a lot more involved. Anything other than that, she's a very strong, smart lady. Yeah. So I think she's probably been the one driving it, and good for her. I mean, what yeah. is it? Um, six and seasons, maybe. Six? Yeah, it's like it like now has like one of the longest running Disney Channel shows of it's all great. time. You know, and, and you know the really greatest thing? I go to the mailbox and there's a check. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know what? Raven is home, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I go, oh my God, I worked so hard. That was so hard. And now I have to take it from the mailbox all the way back into the house. <laughs> um, well, that Such is really, the way. Now, now I'm interested. How how does that behind the scenes thing go about if you created that's Raven property. Do they have to run it by you if they want to do any sort of like Hannah spinoffs, oh, really? Raven spinoffs? No, Disney owns it. Mm. You know, that's you sign your contract and you have all your things that if they do this, you get that amount of money, you do that, you get that credit, blah, 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 blah. But really, at the end of the day, it's up to them. Hmm. Well, again, Disney, if you're listening, Michael, he, he created so much for you. What are you doing? Exactly. Writing him checks. I think you guys writing, start, writing him checks. You should, you should start a movement. <laughs> We're Get trying. Michael back movement. I think, hashtag, would, I think it would just just take off. Hashtag get Michael back. Yeah. Get that, folks. If you're listening, hashtag get Michael back. We'll, we'll get it started. We'll get it started. Well, yes, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. <laughs> um, even though you may not be back on Disney Channel, uh, you have to like you create a new show for, I think, HBO Max. Or now, oh, Max. you guys know everything. We try, we try. Um, it's called Home Sweet Rome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, because you started with, like, Saved by the Bell, for example, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and now we're in the 2020s. How I has. I didn't create Saved by the Bell. I was just on the original um, yeah. creative team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you were like involved in Saved by the Bell and all these like kids, teen sitcoms. How do you think the times have changed from the 90s, 2000s, 2023, like creating and writing for children's and teen? Uh, 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 you know, not to sound like an old fart, <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's, it's not gotten better, uh, unfortunately for me. I think that um, it has become less character and less and more about the gimmick and, and kind of more caricatures and less about the relationships and the journey. Um, and so I, I, I miss um, the days of, uh, you know, I think if I remember right after Hannah or during Hannah, Jesse was really good, right? And then they did another one about a, oh, I can't remember the name of it. And it was about a family that they just, are, there's a baby. Oh, Good oh, Luck good, Charlie. Good Luck Charlie. Yes. Um, those shows were also, they embraced character. Yeah. They embraced relationship. And they were kind of about something you could tell that all the stories started from, what's the truth here? What are we doing with this one? And then it would build to um, the comedy and everything. I think they've lost sight of that. 
That's my Whoop. personal opinion. I'm sorry, Disney. Forgive me. <laughs> oh, no. They, they know what their bread and butter is because we have spied on them on their social medias and they're still like posting about Hannah Montana and Raven and all that stuff. So they, they know what the fans want. What do you think of today's shows that are well, on? Funny you should ask, Michael. Funny you should ask because we have watched a few um, post- hannah shows like jesse good luck charlie shake it up um what have, what else have we watched becca uh, austin and Allie. yeah so random i mean we kept up with the last season of, of raven's home all the way through we keep up with that here and there and yeah. I, I think like you said the things that we think are the best things about raven's home are so obviously moves by raven right and we have to love her for that but i i definitely agree i think that like there's not as much heart focus as there used to be and there's always there's always got to be a joke about phones Mm. (laughs) in my mind you know (laughs) for me let another show do that yeah i want i want to do jokes about the truth you know i want to do something that goes in a direction you didn't see coming you know um one of my favorite it's an episode that i had um suggested via Raven's dad on That's a Raven. And I said, it would really be great to do a show, you know, there's the typical show you have where um, you, your friend makes a friend, right? And you're jealous of the friend and you don't like the friend. And that show evolves to that friendship ultimately doesn't work out because you are best friends and we're better friends now, the heck with that other person. Right. And my thing was, okay, you know, I have seen that story probably about 14,000 times. Right. What about a story where where it says, you know what, if your best friend makes a friend that you don't like, that's okay. Your best friend should be able to have that friend. If you're a real friend of that friend, you should not be jealous of that. Right. That was an interesting way to do it, right? That's kind of my design of how can I take a story that's been done and done and go over here, not that far over, but go over in a, in a place where um, people will look at it and go, yeah, exactly. That's never, that story hasn't been done, but it's been right in front of you forever and ever. Yeah. I think these shows have lost um, the desire to search for that. And so the stories are all sort of obvious. They're going down the, what I call the first thought roads and not digging deeper. Um, I always looked at these shows as seriously, I looked at primetime. I didn't look at it as a cute little kid show, who cares? I wanted to go home at five o'clock. I looked at it as an important show and I did care. And, and you never, ever, ever make the mistake of writing up to kids. You only make the mistake of writing down to kids. And I think some shows today are making that mistake. Yeah. You know, am I, I mean, that's just me and my opinion. No, I think, I'm, I'm I curious think anybody, if you guys agree or not. Oh, anybody we, who wants to be a TV writer needs to listen to this episode yes. uh, ASAP. <laughs> Especially like points. children's TV, if that's like yeah. 
the the lane you want to go on because we like we said we have watched and shared our thoughts on disney channel in the 2010s which was you know a part of us is like are we looking at this because we didn't grow up on this and that's why we're not liking it so much but we i can 100 percent think that that's or even has so much more heart filled moments than anything that came like in the last like five years oh i totally agree you know totally agree you never run from that you run to it you never run from it they, you know th that's why i've always said if i'm doing my job right if i can write a page and film a page in front of the audience with not one joke right but they're glued they're glued they're watching i've achieved it right i've yeah. I've, I've made characters in a situation and invested this audience of eight-year-olds and i'm respecting them enough to say i don't have to make you laugh all the time i just have to engage you and make you involved that was the thrill for me because oh. the, the the laughs will come the laughs will come exactly. they will be there trust me yeah <laughs> laughs uh, again I, I that is the easy part that's the fun part the hard part is the truth, you know, stick there. And when you have a laugh on the truth, it's always the bigger laugh. Always. A hundred percent. So. Well, other than creating fun new shows and coming up with children's books concepts, is there anything else fun that you're up to these days? Listen, I try to keep my hand in things and I try to come up with this idea and that idea. It evolved into the children's books thing. Um, I don't know where that's going to lead, but I've been having a kick doing it. Yeah. You know, I might have some illustrated and stuff like that and see where it goes. You know, Home Sweet Rome is a show. They've done 13 episodes. I don't know if it's going to survive because of the business, because of what's gone on with HBO Max and Discovery and the merger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's an adorable show and, you know, about it. And it's not the big breakthrough concept, but it's character driven. You know, girl's father, widow meets Italian pop star and she moves to Italy. And you might think, oh, God, that's great. But she's going to miss her friends. She has a whole new thing here. She's going into middle school, which is probably the hardest time. So there's so many things going around on that, but you have Rome as a backdrop. What fun is that? <laughs> so um, that was a kick. But I, you know, I'm I'm not. I, I wish I was more confident that it'll go past the 13. I sure as heck hope it does. It deserves to. But business is business, and that's when it becomes. I'm not the one writing the check to make it. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whatever's going on with HBO Max and Discovery, mm, that's a whole nother podcast episode to get into itself. That's exactly <laughs> right, you know, but, you know, but there you have it. I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking and I'm, I'm always delighted to do series and come up with um, different ideas. As long as it's something at this point in my career that I want to do, um, I'm, I'm not going to people to sell them on what they want to do. And yeah, I'll do it, anything you want. I've got to be passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. And yeah. I think no matter what you do next, we have no doubt it's going to be filled with heart. Um, oh, yeah. I think that's like a Mike, uh, Michael Staple. And it is. that's how I think. 
you, ha you have to you have to lead with your heart is what i always say yeah um, just, and if I've never said it, well, I'm going to start saying it now. <laughs> awesome, Michael. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, My pleasure. here today. This has been so fun. Again, we just want to thank you for taking the time and doing this and, you know, letting yeah. us talk your ear off about all the amazing uh, projects yeah. you're a part of. Well, thank um, you. I, well, hey, this is good for my ego. Yeah. I'm, like I, I said, run to a mirror now and look. Really, like if you just need like anytime you are down yourself, just like cue this episode up and we just hope it like brightens up your day. That's all we can because I'm, sure I'm sure it's it like will. it's like the, the small things we can do to repay you for like the 20 years of content you have given us. Well, thank you. And it was and it, for me, it was the great, great journey, man. You know, you a lot of writers do a lot of different things, but um, I had the rare the rare privilege of actually being on some series that I adored. Yeah. So, and that was, it's been a fun adventure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. it's good for our egos to have you on the show too. So <laughs> oh, yeah. mutually beneficial relationships. <laughs> there, there's, some, there's some big heads going on here in this Zoom and it, they're going to keep getting you, bigger. Boy, you know, yours is crowding up a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like 4D coming at you. Yeah. Awesome, Michael. Thank okay. you so much. Love this Thank sense. you for having me. What a fun chat that was. Oh my goodness. The, oh my gosh. I always love coming out of these and just having new pieces of information that are baffling to me. Like uh, finding out the original way that the Jackson character was going to go. <laughs> or that <laughs> Miley, which I'm sure wasn't even named Miley at the time, the Hannah Montana character was supposed to be a New York Jewish girl. Right. The polar opposite of what ended up happening. And in turn, I'm also leaving this episode with a piece of information that did not surprise me in the slightest, which is that Billy Ray wanted to read for Hannah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I loved the little tidbit that Miley wanted to do an extra a Hannah Montana episode so she can be That's a Raven's Record. So Miley. That's so, so Miley. So Miley of her. So Miley of her. That's so Miley. It's so one on one episodes. That's so Miley. <laughs> but it was just, it's always so cool when we, I think I say this every time. So I sound like a broken record, especially every time we do Disney Channel chats. But the yeah. fact that we, the fact that I can say every time we do a Disney Channel chat. Yeah. Um, for real. You know, like hello i mean we always <laughs> go back to like you and me recording on my couch and this not even being a project i was thinking about continuing and now here we are fresh off what is another disney channel chat with like with the create someone the who creator shaped our childhoods right before we started recording he was like so i'm to blame for who you've become <laughs> and i was like yes sir <laughs> yes with the, the biggest smile on our faces we're like yes Shitty grins, shall we? Shitty grins we have. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Michael, thank you again for coming on and, you know, uh, being amazing and sharing some great behind the scenes stories. And yes, we could have talked a I think we could have talked for three hours. <laughs> we are always so grateful when people come on this little show and we get to celebrate them and they get to give us tidbits of information that alter the course of our lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but of course, before we um, officially sign off this episode, we have to uh, find out what is the Disney Channel lesson we learned today. The Disney Channel lesson I learned today is that you've got to be ready 
to change. If you've got something that's lightning in a bottle, you've got to be ready to change and roll with that idea because you never know where that's going to take you. Yeah. I think my Disney Channel lesson is it's confirmed that The Climb is one of the Miley Cyrus's <laughs> best songs from the creator himself. You're so right. I was going to say my Disney Channel lesson is that you've got to have heart, but I was so sure you were going to say that, so I sat on it. Well, let's say our Disney Channel lessons combined are you, ha- you have, to, you have, have heart. to have heart. That was the overall thesis of. I thought that was just too obvious, so I don't want to say it. <laughs> well, that's the, why. Sometimes the Disney Channel lessons are obvious. Okay, how about this, Becca? If people want to know where you have heart, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Heyo. It's Becca H E Y O. TikTok is Becca's Records. And you can also check out my other podcast, Youth Group Survivor Support Group, YGSSG podcast on the social medias. And if you want to follow me on any of the social medias, I'm at Real Hunter Martin on Instagram, H Cameron Martin on Twitter. If you want to keep up to date about everything and anything about this podcast, run all the social medias, uh, just type in the Time Machine Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You'll find us there. Rate and review us. Uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you do, we will uh, read it on our next episode and we'll show you the love right back. Uh, give us five stars on Spotify if you're ever so kind. Uh, talk to us on all the social medias. DM us. Uh, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you don't want to hear because we love talking to you guys and we want y'all to have so much fun listening to this as we have making it. All right, y'all. Well, all the secrets have been revealed. Summer yeah, of Secrets. That was the biggest one. Right. Summer of Secrets has officially come to a close, but Oof, we will be. I feel a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> secret secrets were no fun until we shared with everyone. Ooh. Thank you. Um, but we will be right back at you next week with some more fun content. And until then, we will see you later, time travelers. Always poke your seatbelts. Ah.